The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Mirrodin Besieged is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Mirrodin Besieged today. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 52 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Big Head Joe, I'm here with Joey Pasco. Hey everybody. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, the Star City Games Open Series that kicked off in Kansas City. And we're also going to discuss some Mirrodin Besieged spoilers that were posted from the uh, Mirrodin Besieged Mechanics article over on the Mothership. So let's get right into that. Um, so this weekend was pretty exciting. It was the premiere of Star City Games Live. Um, we've been getting some feedback, and you know, I, I just wanted to say that you know we're still working out the kinks. You know, we have ex- some experience doing this, but you know, the broadcasters that are in the booth are still working out the ins and outs of the booth and how to manage it throughout a long day. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Van Lunen and Adrian Sullivan were the commentators this weekend. I think they did a great job. I'm, uh, I agree. frankly, frankly, I'm a little nervous and, uh, you know, hope I can live up to the precedent they set because, uh, this weekend I'll be in San Jose with Gavin Verhe doing the coverage. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch you guys. Um, I can't wait to do it myself. I'm going to throw down in the booth. So, uh, so yeah, at Kansas City, the uh, the winner of the standard portion was Pat McGregor with a Boros deck. Um, and uh, it seemed like the aggro decks were kind of showing their... Uh, showing their strength and their muscle in this tournament. Um, there were a number of vampires lists, and obviously Boros won the tournament. Uh, the The finals matchup was actually Boros versus Blue-Green Genesis Wave, piloted by none other than Conley Woods, who, uh, you know, he took the, the Flores-inspired Blue-Green Genesis Wave, and, uh, and he took it in a, a distinctly... Conley direction by uh, throwing in the the land death package um, with acidic slimes and spreading seas in place of things like Garrick and uh, I, I don't believe he plays like preordain or uh, explore. He does not play explore. He has four acidic slime, four frost titans, four Jiraga tree speaker, four lotus cobra, four overgrown battlement, three primeval titan, four spreading seas, four Jace, three Genesis wave, four forest, four islands. And a ton of lands. Right on. So, uh, yeah, so he basically took the strategy and added, um, you know, he took the core blue-green Genesis wave strategy and just added another element of attack to it. So not only is he ramping his mana, but he's screwing you with spreading seas and uh, and acidic slimes and frost titans. So the Boros list is a pretty exciting list. Um Adventuring gear is always ridiculous, coupled with a GOP or a step links. Um, so run down the Boros list real quick. Sure. Uh, three adventuring, advent, adventuring, three adventuring gear, <laughs> three adventuring gear, one sword of body and mind, four goblin guides, four plated GOPs, three spike shot elder, 
four Squadron Hawk, four Step Links, three Stoneforge Mystics, three Journey to Nowhere, four Lightning Bolt, two Koth of the Hammer, five Mountains, five Plains, uh, and a ton of lands. Uh, sideboard, Basilisk Collar, four Spark Mage, three Goblin Ruin Blaster, one Koth, two Arc Trail, three Mark of Mutiny, and a Tectonic Edge. Yeah, so it's a nice showcase of uh, Koth of the Hammer in that deck, too. Finally, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and this one's obviously more equipment-based than the uh, Boros Bushwhacker deck that a lot of people were used to over the past year, I guess, since Zendikar came out. But a lot of those cards are, are Zendikar and M11 cards. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, besides what, Koth, uh, sort of body and mind, in, in the main deck anyway... What are the Scars of Meriden cards? Spike Shot Elder. Okay, okay. And he's significant. I mean, with Adventuring Gear, that's where he he shines. <laughs> with wow. Gear. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Oh, my God. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, he – with Adventuring Gear, it's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of insane. <laughs> so uh, there were some control decks in the top eight of this, uh, this event. There was a blue-black control, and then there was a Bant control list. Sure, yeah, Bant control is interesting. Uh, let's run down the list. One Ratchet Bomb, one Molten Tail Masticore, three Acidic Slime, one Avenger of Zendikar, two Frost Titans, four Lotus Cobra, four Nest Invader, two Seagate Oracle, four Mana Leak, two Spell Pierce, one Garrick, four Jace, two Venser, three Explore, seven Forests, six Islands, one Plains... And then a bunch of other lands. Right. Like, like reading. So, so this is a pretty innovative list. I mean, when you said Molten Tail Masticore, that's what really stuck out to me. Um, but obviously he's playing a lot of creatures. I mean, besides, besides some Mana Leak Spell Pierces and then some Planeswalkers, it's just a bunch of creatures. So, uh, you know, the, what is it, one copy of Molten Tail Masticore in the main deck? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, it's actually uh, pretty relevant. And... Um, it's just it's an interesting take on a control deck because people aren't really i don't know i had never seen a list like this before and uh i think he kind of took some people by surprise he's got some of the blue white control elements but he's also got some aggressive elements with uh with the, with the green cards that are in the deck you know did you say avenger of zendikar uh yes one yeah, right so avenger of zendikar's in there garrick yep um uh, and also, I'd like to mention Venser. Two copies of Venser. Yeah. So, so here Just we go. It, it, it's really interesting. So we have the, the first place deck has Koth of the Hammer. The you know the uh, Bant control was in sixth place. sixth place. So that one's got Venser. So is Elspeth anywhere in this top eight? No. Kind I don't of. I think. Oddly enough, in the top sixteen, the only white at all was in the Boros list and the Bant control list. Wow. That is pretty crazy. No white. So, so yeah, here we have uh, you know another kind of metagame shift. And, and this is obviously just one tournament. But, I mean, wasn't it just a few months ago that we were saying, wow, there's really no black in any of these decks? Like, the only black cards worth playing are vampires, and pff, that's not a deck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and now it's like... The the majority, like if if it's not blue, then black I think is is the most played color. Color seven seven decks in the top sixteen running black. 
one, two, three, four. I'm guessing Pyromancers has blue in it. Five, six, seven, eight decks running blue. Right. Top it's, of 16. That's, it's kind of amazing how things have shifted. And here, white, which was a huge, you know, blue-white was a huge deck. Right. Uh, and and uh, here it is shuff- shifted to the bottom, I guess. Yep. Shuffled to the bottom. Um, Hindered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was another uh, Genesis Wave deck in the top eight. Actually, let's let's just go over the top eight. There was Boros in first place, as we mentioned, and then Conley Woods running Genesis Wave in second place. Blue Black Control third place. Black Red Vampires in fourth place. Uh, Vampires in fifth place. I'm not sure if that's mono black. It is. I just clicked on it. Okay. Uh, Bant Control, as we mentioned, in sixth place. The the other Genesis Wave deck in seventh place. And then a Valakut deck in eighth place. Ninth place being a Pyromancer Ascension list. Um, and then beyond that, we have uh, Black Red Vampires, Red Deck Wins, a Rug deck, which surprisingly didn't make top eight. That was uh, Alex Bertoncini playing that um, in twelfth place. Uh, Jerry Thompson... Actually came in tenth place with his black red list, um, but it's interesting to note. Like, weren't we just watching all these rug lists show up in the top eight of the past few Star City Games Open Series events? Yeah. So, and here's one. You know, the the highest placing one is in twelfth place. Not to say that that's anything to, uh, you know, to sneeze at. I guess, um, but significant to me to see how this deck has kind of maybe fallen out of favor a little bit but it's just a metagame shift so like i'm really excited to find out to see what happens this weekend in san jose because uh you know to see how the metagame adjusts to what basically is now maybe a heavier aggro metagame yeah that's uh i mean it's, it's a neat thing i mean the, more yeah, ratchet bombs more rats of god more consume the meeks i'm just yeah proclasms uh, I, I mean it kind of I'm not sure. See, the thing is with vampires, Kalashia Highborn is fantastic against those uh, sweeper strategies. It's like I'm going to sit here and attack you, but if you try to sweep my stuff, if I have mana, I'm going to burn you. <laughs> you know, my guys are going to, they're basically taking a chunk of your life total with them, which is kind of cool. With a lot of those vampires lists, you know, um, I don't know if the black red vampires run like the sack outlets or anything. Because, you know, like, like with the mono-black vampires, there's lots of sack outlets. Yeah, it does. It runs the Bloodthorn vampires. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, there are sack outlets and Viscera Seers. So you're able to sacrifice things. You know what I was playing around with in my mono-black vampires list out of the board? Hmm. Jinxed Idol. See, yeah, I love that card. I feel like it's, uh-huh. it's got potential. I mean, we yeah, talked about that in the past, I'm sure, on, on some, some episode at some point. But, yeah, it's like, uh, I think that could be could be good in some one of these kind of burn lists, essentially. Yeah, I think maybe I should abuse, like, maybe I should, like, maybe I should just go for it, because I really hate the current mono black vampires list. I tried playing a version of it and just was so, like, annoyed by it. I could not stand playing it. So I was ready to just take the whole deck apart, but I don't know. Maybe if I, maybe I could have some fun with it and abuse some jinxed idol action. You should at least give um, it a shot, you know? Yeah, I mean, in the side, like out of the board against um, against Travis playing Rug, mm-hmm. it was it killed him. I, I beat him with Jinxed Idol. It, <laughs> it awesome. was it was it was great. So, 
I don't know. Maybe I'll play around with that interaction a little more because, like, the one thing I found about this deck or about the vampires lists in general when I was playing them is it's like got all these sack outlets and the highborns, which is like a really cute idea, but I would never found myself with like a lot of mana open to you know to you uh, to abuse it, right? Or or I didn't find or I didn't have the blood ghasts or I didn't have the fetch land. You know, I was always missing something. And it, and it kind of got on my nerves, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Um, I just like such. I, I just need to play straightforward decks. Like, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Like, my luck is too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't really speak to it except that I know when you were playing Mythic, you would always draw the Sajiri Step, the yes. one Sajiri Step. You know. Yes. Oh, well. No, I, I definitely love the interactions in the deck. You know, I love I love the abusable sack outlets. Like I just think that's a really fun interaction, but maybe I should read look at it. <laughs> Not give up on it so fast. Although I do have to say, um Clastra Highborns are up to five bucks on some buy lists. Wow. So like I'm like ready to I'm because like, man, I could cash these in for a twenty dollar bill. Like I'm like thinking about it. I'm very close to just doing it. It just—I don't know. I keep running into these problems playing the deck, and it's just—it's been a frustrating experience for me. Uh, now, my mono white metalcraft deck—I am just in love with. I am so in love with that deck right now. I'm having too much fun playing it. Um, last two weeks at FNM, we've had small FNMs because um, I run FNM at uh, right near uh, Johns Hopkins campus. And that's the majority of our players are Hopkins students. So, like, like the downtimes for school are usually very slow periods for our uh, tournament attendance. Um, but so we've only had three rounds the last two weeks. And but I've two o one F and M the last two weeks with the Metalcraft deck. Right. Um, I'm loving the deck. I'm just I'm just loving playing it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's real straightforward. I've been playing blue black control, but uh, one of the cards that has been popping up a little bit in blue black, which I, I haven't gotten a chance to try it, but is skin render in the side. Mm-hmm. Now this I know people were talking about it a little bit in the chat uh, on Sunday morning for the uh, the top four of the standard portion and. Um, I think Adrian Sullivan even commented uh, saying it's not really a flame tongue cavu, but it's kind of close. But yeah, it's an interesting card. It's a two for one in, in uh, most scenarios, or it's going to shrink something uh, to a, a significant degree, uh, to a more manageable degree anyway. Um, those Titans don't look so threatening when they're three threes but yeah <laughs> it's still a three three so i mean it's still on the board doing something when it attacks so i'm not really sure that the uh i'm not confident that the skin renders are exactly for that purpose but with a uh, field of aggro it's kind of too bad he can't distribute the counters yeah oh my god that would be great right it would be fantastic i mean with all the power creep i mean think about it like flame tongue kavu was four damage to target creature yeah, Flame Tonkavu was a red and three more, uh, a 4-2, and when it enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to target creature. So this, you would think with power creep that that this actually could do something like distribute the counters, but, uh, you know, it's a different color. It's uh, You could say that the minus one, minus one counters are arguably better than... I would damage. agree, actually. Right, I, I mean, agree. 
are three minus one minus one counters better than four damage? I mean, it kind of depends on what it's for. That's that's a really really awesome <laughs> topic for discussion. Right. Um, so if anyone wants to uh, weigh in on the merits, like weigh in on that, uh, you should email us yomtgtaps at gmail dot com. Um, are minus one minus one counters more valuable than damage? Well, they <laughs> absolutely are. I, think, minus I one, just think that's, but it's the need. amount. It's the it's where, where is the balance? Because our, what I'm saying is, are three minus one minus one counters better more than, than four, four damage. damage? And I think yeah. the four damage is. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me the four damage is more significant because unless you're trying to kill something that's indestructible. Uh, then or shrink something that's huge, then uh, then you're going to be able to kill something bigger with the four damage. So you're going to be able to kill that obstinate bail all through, rather than making it a one one. You know, right? So yes, against a titan or something that's that's bigger than uh, you know bigger than a four four. Then sure, I guess the three minus one count, the three minus one minus one counters. Are better, but is that really helping you? Are you like excited to put three minus one minus one counters on a Titan that's going to go fine? I'll still attack and put two zombies into play, or <laughs> two lands into play, or deal three to your skin render with my Inferno Titan, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like that's that's why I wasn't too excited about skin render before. Like I saw skin render, I'm like, that's cool. That's like a really neat ability. But there are Titans. Like I'm like, I don't know. It just seems. I mean, people are running it, and apparently it's doing all right. I mean, well, is it a sideboard choice? It's a, it's a sideboard card, and it's more for the aggro matchups, because think about yeah. it. It's a blocker. It kill, kills one guy and blocks another one. So yeah. you're going to take out two creatures, possibly more, because depending on what it is that's, uh, you know, the size of what you're blocking. But, I mean, yeah. if they have a 2-2 two, two, and a 3-3, three, three, you kill the 3-3, three, three, and now their 2-2 two, is held off until they can pump it or something, so... I was on Moto, and the uh, one of my opponents actually played Mimic Vat and put a skin render on it, which uh, oh. is pretty ridiculous. Now, it, it wasn't too scary for me because I was just like, I just don't play. I'm playing blue, blue, black control. I'm going to win with Jace then. You know, like I just <laughs> won't play creatures. I'll just sit here and and uh, make sure that skin render isn't uh, isn't so scary. But what I ended up doing was drawing two Grave Titans, and I was like, fine, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Put make one of my Grave Titans 3-3. Three, three. I'm going to put so many zombies on the board that I overwhelm you. So that's what ended up happening. But it's cool because it's actually, by itself, uh, it can work, like, even without a target. So, like, you have the Mimic Vat in play. You play the Skin Render and put the counters on itself, and now it, you know, it's you, you imprint it on the Mimic Vat. It doesn't necessarily need uh, need the opponent to kill it or need to block something or, or whatever. Because you have to, to put the counters on something. So that's what I was doing. I, I kind of put him in a situation where he didn't have any targets for the skin render. So putting the mimic vat uh, or using the mimic vat to put a skin render into play would just kill the skin. Was render. only going to kill his own skin render or that's his own great. other creatures. But it's it's a neat interaction. I, I think it's a useful interaction against a lot of these creature decks because they don't really have many alternative win conditions. Right. Uh, although you know the Boros list does have cost, so that's that's significant. Um, you, you've got me thinking right now about um, my EDH deck, which is actually sitting out on the table right now, being rebuilt because 
I got some new sleeves, and I got the card of my dreams for my EDH deck, the card that I've been wanting for my EDH deck since I started building it. You know what card that is, Joe? I don't remember now. Cabal Ghoul from oh, Radiant yeah. Knights. Because I play Mono Black Zombies, and uh, it's uh, Balthor the Defiled as my general. Okay, well... I, I, I have the um, advanced level organizer skin skin render in there, mm-hmm. so I was just it just made me think of that. Cabal Ghoul is from Arabian Nights. It's a creature. It's errata to be a zombie. Um, I take pride in finding these errata zombies, by the way, um, <laughs> for my EDH deck. Um, it's a one one for a black and two, and at the end of each at the beginning of each end step. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Cabal Ghoul for each creature that went to the graveyard this turn. Okay. So, yeah, it's great in your deck. In your oh, EDH it's so deck. good, yeah. Well, I mean, you can even board sweep and then play it. Right. Which is great. That's fantastic. You, you know what I mean? Or, like, and then once it's, like, like you, you, you say you sweep the board, you play them, you get a bunch of counters... And then, like, once the board starts establishing itself again and it's, like, out of mutilate range, <laughs> you can mutilate and just make him huge. That's awesome. It's such an awesome card for the deck. You know, I found another card for the EDH deck that I just didn't even realize existed and then looked it up and it was eroded. Um, Apprentice Necromancer. It's a – I think it's a 1-1 one, one for a black and one. Um and what it does is, it's like, I think there's a small cost, maybe a black or black and one. Tap it, sacrifice it, return a creature from your graveyard to play it gains haste. At end of turn, sacrifice the creature. The reason why that's significant is because most of the creatures that, and believe me, I know this from, you know, researching the EDH deck. Um, a lot of the creatures that sacrifice to bring a creature out of the graveyard and give it haste exile the creature at end of turn Mm. which kind of is counterintuitive to my abusable graveyard strategy like the card dawn of the dead is like such a great card but it exiles the creature and i don't want one creature out of my graveyard i want all of them (laughs) so you know i i i want to be greedy with it so like finding a creature that I can put in my graveyard to bring something to the gra- like from the graveyard that goes back to my graveyard just plays in so perfectly with my Balthor the Defiled. Right. Like it's just such an awesome thing. I'm just slowly working on making my EDH deck as broken as possible. Of course, yeah. Um because EDH is a spiky format. Anyone who thinks that it isn't is wrong. The fun is dead. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm being serious here. The fun is dead. The fun in EDH now is making the most broken deck that you can. And that's facts. I like EDH. I like the fact that it's become a spiky format because I've adapted. You know, I still do want to keep that tribal element, and I still do want to make the deck as fun for me as it possibly can. But part of fun for me playing Magic is winning. So I I have to make it at least slightly very broken. And, um... And that's cool, you know? So I'm just slowly working on ways to to make it as broken as I can. I want to say thank you, by the way, to Lloyd and Mark, um... I don't for acquiring me the um, the Cabal Ghoul. 
totally. Lloyd, Lloyd is responsible, but I consider it a present from both of them um, for Christmas. Um, Lloyd picked it up at Pastimes uh, out, in, uh, awesome. out in Chicago over the holidays. So big props there because, man, I've been dying to get one of those for so long. You want to mention the legacy top eight? Yes. So in first place, Chris Osinski won with Goblins um, against a blue-black merfolk list piloted by Corbin Hostler. Um, Red-black Goblins was in third place. So top three decks are all kind of aggro decks. Now, blue-black merfolk is more like aggro control, but um, I think it's it's kind of interesting to see. Here's another completely different format uh, just now hit with the loss of its most defining card, at least in recent uh, Star City Legacy Opens, uh, which is Survival of the Fittest. Um, and so now this metagame is completely new uh, without this card. So what happens in an undefined metagame, aggro decks tend to rise to the surface because they're, uh, they're kind of just more straightforward. So we've got a, you know, Legacy Goblins uh, and a Red-Black Goblins list. Okay, so let me uh, let me run let me just run down the top sixteen because it's a very diverse top sixteen. Um, we already said Chris Osinki won with Goblins, right? Mm-hmm. Corbin Hostler with Blue Black Merfolk in second place. Uh, red Black Goblins, Green and Taxes, Junk, Black White Tempo, um, Countertop Progenitus in seventh place, piloted by AJ Soccer. Um, which is an interesting <laughs> name for a deck. It already sounds like bad news for whoever's playing against it, right? Yeah. <laughs> None of that sounds fun. Um, we've got Affinity, uh, Christian Calcano in ninth place with Countertop, Michael Jacob in 10th with Junk, um, Alex Bertoncini with Merfolk in 11th place, Bant... Spring Tide, Eva Green, Dredge, and the deck I want to talk about, uh, Welder Servant. Uh, because apparently, this is what I heard from the coverage, Lewis Laskin, up until like 3 or 4 in the morning, um, Saturday, or I guess Sunday morning at that point, was going to play this deck. And then when Adrian ran into him in the morning, he was like, hey, what's up? He's like, check it out, I audibled. <laughs> So, Welder Servant. Let me run down this list. Four Grindstone, four Lion's Eye Diamond, four Sensei's Divining Top, four Painter's Servant, four Goblin Welder, two Trinket Mage, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, four Intuition, one Red Elemental Blast, three Mox Opal, three Great Furnace, four Seed of the Synod, one island, one mountain, three ancient tomb, two city of traitors, four scalding tarn, and four volcanic island. Hmm. Pretty cool, right? Uh, so this, yeah. Listen, listen to the board. One Nihil Spellbomb, two Tormod's Crypt, two Pyroblast, two Red Elemental Blast, four Emrakul the Eons Torn, and four Show and Tell. Wow. So that is a neat deck. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nuts. So you've got the Painter-Servant-Grindstone combo. Um, you've got Welders and Trinket Mages to search up pieces of that, or to bring back pieces, I guess, because the Welder... 
welder swaps out an artifact from the graveyard for an artifact in play. So yeah, that's that's the scoop on legacy. Yeah, let's go on to the Mirrodin besieged spoilers um, and the article discussing the um, mechanics of Mirrodin besieged. Okay, so while some of it was a little redundant, I mean, I'm not even looking at the article. I'm just looking at the spoiler list at this point. Right, I'm looking at um, the article, and so like the first first one is Battle Cry, which we are already aware of. But the uh, the interesting thing is the card they spoiled. Um, it's a a quarter paladin. A three, yeah, yeah, it's a three one for a white and one creature human knight, which is just significant because uh, we were talking about the knights deck last week. Um, here's another card that could go there. Uh, this is an uncommon, and it's got Battle Cry, which, as many of you know already, is uh, whenever this creature attacks, each other attacking creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. So that's, uh, that's a pretty exciting card. A three, one for two, and, uh, you know, it's going to pump pump its brethren, yeah. I guess. Um, and then, of course, we already know about Hero of Blade Hold. Um, Metalcraft, of course, is coming back. Right. And uh, there's a, a new mechanic, Living Weapon. You want to talk about that? Yeah, Living Weapon is a really neat mechanic. So Living Weapon, um, it's what the r- rules text on Living Weapon says, when this equipment enters the battlefield, put a 0-0 black germ creature token onto the battlefield, then attach this to it. So that's the wording, you know, that's going to happen for all equipments with living weapon. Right. Um, the one that was spoiled is Flare Husk. Um, it's a simple equipment. It costs one to cast. It's a common, uh, has living weapon, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and equips for two. So, you know, it's, on its own, it's a pretty awful equipment. <laughs> Right, but I, I actually don't think it's as bad as it looks. It's actually kind of interesting. Cause you, so you pay one, and you get a creature which has this attached. So basically you pay one, oh, you no, get a one. Yeah, no, right, no, that's so, fine. No, that's totally fine. With the living weapon ability makes it you know a decent oh, oh, card. Okay, I'm, I, saying, I'm saying the equipment itself without the, uh, without the uh, living keyword. weapon okay. <laughs> is, is, is kind of weak. Is is very weak, frankly, yeah. especially for the equip cost. Yeah. Um, but I feel like living weapon is is a really neat ability. It's like having a pump spell just laying around, and it gives you a creature to start. So top decking one of these isn't a dead card on an empty board, right? Which is which is very significant, especially in limited. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat just to be able to uh, kind of. It's kind of a two for one. Now, at first, it starts as just kind of a one for one, I guess, because it's just you're just getting like a one one creature out of it. But the fact that you can either move the equipment if you really feel like killing your germ token, uh, or just letting them, uh, you know, they have to deal with your one one or using your one one to maybe chump block or something, and then still having the equipment sit there. I mean, that, that's kind of cool. It gives you just a free creature uh, with, you know attached to it kind of it's it's almost like the creature comes attached to the equipment rather than the equipment attaching to the creature but Mm -hmm. but yeah it's that's a really it's i really am excited to see what they do with this mechanic because this is a pretty obvious and and simple application of it now i don't expect them to get too complicated with it since this is the uh the introduction of the mechanic but it's very um 
interesting idea to have equipment that kind of comes with a creature. Yeah, I like the idea. I think it's pretty neat. So uh, it looks to me like uh, it's only going to be on on equipment, but and and I would expect that for this block, or at least for this uh, you know this set. Um, but I wonder if they could make the mechanic, uh, you know, apply it to something like an enchantment or an aura or something, um, any other kind of permanent that maybe could, I mean, couldn't, couldn't there be an aura that says, uh, living weapon when this comes into play, you know, get a zero, zero germ creature token. Um, and it's just maybe, maybe, no, it's not an aura. Maybe it's just an enchantment that just says all germs get plus one, plus one. So it doesn't actually mm. it doesn't come in attached to it because it's not equipment, but I, I guess it opens up some some space for later down the road. Although you know mm. I don't know how how likely something like that is, but it is an idea. Um, it's, it's interesting. This is something that uh, that I've ever really thought about before. Um, infect is back. The indeed s- the significant thing about that is. Uh, most uh, – all of the infect creatures we've seen so far have been black, green, or artifact creatures. Uh, but they've spoiled Priests of Norn, which is a white creature with infect. It's a white and two for one for creature cleric common. It's got vigilance and infect. So that's something I didn't expect exactly either. I kind of thought they were going with the the black, green creatures have an infect. That's their – you know, their trademark keyword ability. But right. it gives the Infectex another color to kind of play with. Um, it does say that most of the creatures are going to be still black-green artifact, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are, there won't be more uh, other colored Infect creatures. Right, right, right. It's pretty exciting. Um I, mean, I don't know how relevant it'll wind up being. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, this card doesn't seem so relevant uh, for, for standard or for constructed exactly, but it is an interesting idea. Now, what makes Infect a little more relevant is this new rules term, which is poisoned. Not poison, but poisoned. Um, basically, there's a, a new kind of term saying if, if a player has any poison counters at all, they're considered to be poisoned. So here's a, a card, Septic Rats, which is a, a black, black one for a 2-2 creature rat with infect. And whenever Septic Rats attacks, if defending player is poisoned, Septic Rats gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So I like Septic Rats. That, that's, that's really, really interesting. neat card. Go ahead. I think it's, I, it just seems like a really like strong infect creature. Like, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... It really uh, – it does seem strong. I, I think it makes Infect that much better because now some of your creatures are going to actually have bonuses for what you've been trying to do all along anyway is poison people. And uh, I, I think that's – it's kind of scary. Like I wonder how much they're going to push poison in this set and how good it's going to make a poison deck. Yeah, I mean, well, you figure – the Phyrexian side of things will have a lot of infect creatures. At least you right. assume so. Right. But um, are they going to be worth playing? That's the thing. You know what I mean? Are they going to be playable infect creatures? Now, this, this, the rats that we just mentioned, I think, are certainly playable in, in that sort of strategy. 
Uh, speaking of infect creatures, another card that was spoiled is Plague Mirror. It's a 1-1 one, one for two colorless. It's a mirror, obviously. And it has infect, and it has tap to add a colorless to your mana pool. How do you feel about that? I, that's interesting. It's another card that is going to help infect decks, and just the fact that it can ramp. I mean, ramping up to Skitherix a yep, little bit. You know, getting the, what I was thinking. Yeah, getting the Skitherix online quicker. That's, that's what's scary. Yeah, no, that seems like a really neat card. Um, yeah, so Signal Pest is something I really am excited about because it just fits right in with the Metalcraft deck that I've been playing around with. It's a 0-1 for 1. It's a pest, uh, and it has Battle Cry, and a Signal Pest can't be blocked except by creatures with flying or reach. Yeah, that's that's a neat card. Proliferate is another mechanic, obviously coming back. Obviously works well with Poison. And we have a spoiled card with Proliferate, Spread the Sickness. It's, mm-hmm. it's a black and four, sorcery, common. Destroy target creature, then Proliferate. This seems a little bit weak. I mean, it's good for Limited. Uh, it's for Constructed. It seems a little bit weak, unless you're really playing up the Proliferate or the Poison. Um in which case it, it actually could, I mean, you could win the game with that, right? Somebody has nope. nine poison counters. Well, you, you clear the way for a poison creature too. Right. So that's, that's double, du- like doubly significant. Is yeah. You're clearing the way for a creature. What I think the most uh, significant part of spread the sicknesses mm-hmm. is that it's a black removal spell that doesn't say non-black creature. Yeah, exactly. Very, very. It says destroy target creature. Very good point, yeah. Which is really, I mean, it's kind of exciting, frankly. Um, I like the idea of that, and um, I, th- I mean, I, I'm definitely for limited, it's insane. Like, it's insane for limited. Destroy target creature? Ugh, like what I would have given for that for that wording on any card in limited so many times, right? Um, you know, another card I'm excited about off the spoiler list, honestly, is the um, Master's Call um, for my mono-white Metalcraft deck, naturally. Uh, Master's Call is an instant for a white and two. Put two 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens onto the battlefield. Reminded me of Raise the Alarm. Yeah, exactly. Raise the Alarm um, was uh, instant speed, uh, and you put two 1-1s one, onto the battlefield, but it only cost two. Soldiers. Yeah. And uh, join the ranks costs four, right? Uh, I believe so. So this is right in between join the ranks and uh, <laughs> and uh, whatever that other card was you just said. Raise the alarm. Right. Uh, um, I think it's significant that they're artifact creatures because they help you uh, – like come like reobtain metal craft. Right. Like say you um say you do what I did um at F and M and you block poorly and you lose your metal craft for your etch champion. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And then someone goes to burn away your other etch champion, you can in response flash in, you know, flash it basically flash in two one one artifact creature tokens and make their spell fizzle. Right. And that's I mean that's I think that's significant. Being able to add two artifacts to your side of the battlefield at instant speed. Yeah. Pretty good. 
And you know what else? Um, and this, this is just me also, again, as I always do, keeping a super open mind about card interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's significant about Master's Call is that it is a spell that produces artifacts. The reason why that's significant is because there is a card in Scars of Mirrodin called Shape Anew, which is basically the um, uh, polymorph for artifacts, which was a terrible card because you had to run artifacts to use it, so it kind of added this level of variance to it. There are more cards that create artifacts at like you know off of spells. You know, you could probably figure out a way to y- abuse Shape Anew to search for something specific. That's a good point. Does that make sense? Because, like, I've been thinking about that for a while. I'm like, yeah, Shape Anew is terrible. Because Polymorph was great because there were so many ways to generate tokens and then just flip into something you needed. You know, it is, it's something to keep in mind. Who knows what else will come up, you know, but, like... You know, there, there it is. There's, there's the one way that we have so far in standard to make shape anew worth playing at all. Right. <laughs> you know, it's the only card so far that I've seen that makes shape anew playable. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's about it for us. Um, make sure you uh, tune in this weekend, San Jose Open, because Joey's going to be uh, doing the live coverage, and I'm really excited to uh, troll him in the message wars. I mean, to uh, to root him on. Some other upcoming events besides this weekend in San Jose. Uh, we have GP Atlanta next weekend, January 22nd and 23rd, which is extended. Weekend after that is the Mirrodin Besieged pre-release, and also the TCG Player 5K in New Orleans. Kind of strange that they would schedule that on the weekend of the pre-release, but okay. Um, and then the week after that, February 5th through the 7th, is Star City Games Open Series Indianapolis. So, yet again, we have uh, we have some packed weekends coming up. You pretty much, if you're a Magic player... You have something to do pretty much every weekend if you can make it to these particular locations. Um, I think it's it's great, all these great events that we're having. Also, um, don't forget anyone who's going to be in San Jose that um, Sunday they have the Legacy Open and the Draft Open. And the Draft Open is a great way to uh, qualify for the Star City Games Invitational. Uh, win some cash. So, so that's, I mean, something that, you know, something to keep in mind. Like, day two, like, say you don't play Legacy, like, you know, day two, you've got events to enter. You don't just have, like, side events. You have a, you know, you have an event you can enter that actually counts towards the, your, uh, your club level for Star City, um, and that can qualify you for the Invitational. So, don't forget about the draft opens. Um, you know, that's a really fun way to, uh, get in some more competitive magic on day two. Yeah, definitely. So don't forget that. I wanted to just mention a couple things, though, briefly, that have nothing to do with magic. Um, For one, and I'm really excited about this, um, I just read this morning that uh, Michael Douglas beat throat cancer. So did Adam Yowch from the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I heard that, too. Um, So that's great. People are just beating throat cancer left and right here. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that right now I am wrapping up three comic book series that I've been reading. Um, Bulletproof Coffin, Nemesis, and Morning Glories. 
Okay, the first arc of Morning Glories ended, and then Nemesis and Bulletproof Coffin uh, were, you know, self-contained things. Although they're going to do a part two of Nemesis. But, you know, those arcs are all ended. And I highly recommend grabbing all three of those in graphic novel form when they're released. Because they were just fantastic series. I still have to read the last issue of Bulletproof Coffin, but the series had me sucked in so great. I mean, I was so pumped for it. Um, I highly recommend all three of those series. Morning Glories is one of the greatest comic books I've read in a while. Just in terms of, like, the concept and just the, the overall vibe of the whole book is just really cool. And, um... I just felt like it was worth mentioning. Nemesis is just action-packed insanity by, you know, the writer of Kick-Ass. Um, and Bulletproof Coffin is just a concept that I found fascinating, and I don't want to give away too much about that. Um, just trust me. Um, I'm a comic book junkie now, officially, and um, I highly recommend all three of those. Cool. I, I read some of Morning Glories, and it's really good. Right. Yeah, I have to lend you the Nemesis and Bulletproof Coffin, too. Like, you would love those, I think. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, for sure. That's everything we have this week. We are Yo! MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. Yo! MTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website... I want my mtg.com for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at yoMTGtaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at yoMTGtaps. Okay.